0: We just heard two passages from the Old Testament. Um, the, the one I particularly want to preach on is that very last verse, uh, Stand at the crossroads and look. Uh, but as I, as I looked at the, the overall context of that passage in, in Jeremiah chapter 6, I um, was wondering which passage to ask, um, ask Margaret to read. It, it's a very negative passage. Uh, in which that verse comes in the middle, and um, it was it was written uh, by the prophet Jeremiah, who of course is is known uh, often as the prophet of doom, although actually much of Jeremiah is a prophet of hope. But he did face a very difficult situation, and he was prophesying the downfall of the people of Judah, uh, and he was just being real about what was going to happen. Um, about six hundred. Uh, Years BC, somewhere around 600 years BC, he was prophesying the time when Jerusalem would fall uh, and be taken over by enemy troops from from Babylon. And the context of that looming exile was the disobedience of Judah. So that's the that is the the, the context of what Jeremiah was saying. But in the midst of all that uh, warning and, uh, and and darkness, he comes with uh, words of hope. And uh, the hope is, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the good way, ask where the ancient paths are, and walk in them, and you will find rest for your souls. So I wanted to uh, just to sort of say that's the context in which we find Jeremiah um, 6.16. Uh, there, there are warnings, but there is also the promise of a good way, and rest. So when I thought about it more, I thought, uh, actually, there's a very similar verse in many ways, and that is Isaiah 30, chapter 15. If you've got your Bibles open, you might like to uh, have a look at that. It also comes in the middle of lots of warnings from the prophet Isaiah, writing about a 100 years before Jeremiah, uh, when Israel were um, now under the king Uzziah, who was a kind of a king who quite liberal, um, he um, There was, was a very wealthy time uh, and people got complacent uh, And you don't recognize that of course anywhere around today, will you? Um, uh, Jeremiah was speaking in the time of Josiah, which was a king who brought lots of reforms uh, to Israel, but then, uh, then there was a whole succession of kings that came right down to the last king, Zedekiah, when they were taken away. Um, so both prophets are speaking into political situations where there were things that were going on which, uh, for which he brings warnings. Warnings. Things will happen if you carry on the way that you are. And Isaiah says uh, here is the promise. In repentance And rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Another wonderful promise. Repentance and rest is your salvation. Quietness and trust is your strength. But did you notice that both of those verses end the same way? The Isaiah verse ends, um, but you would have none of it. And the Jeremiah verse says, but you said, we will not walk in it. Isn't it I, I, I wouldn't want to be God, would you? I really would not want to be God. <laughs> having, having seen the way he has tried to bring his people along for generations and generations, and time and time again, he sets before them a good path. And he warns them about going off that path into the bad ways. And time and time again, people say, we will not walk in it. Do you recognize that? Do you recognize that in your own life? It, it was reflected in Glynn's prayers, and you actually mentioned that we have often, and you were speaking for all of us, uh, we've often wandered into paths which are not helpful. Uh, and yet God lays before us a good way. He lays before us good paths. He, he gives us this option that, that in repentance and rest is our salvation. And in quietness and trust is our strength. And then he says, but you would have none of it. And here are the paths, we would not walk in them. I just wonder if that resonates with you as we look back over over the last year. Um, some of the uh, Christian magazines have been reflecting back over the last 20 years, since the millennium, because we're uh, entering a new decade, well... Well, people argue about that, aren't they? No, the decade doesn't start till next year. Oh, no, no, forget it. Uh, but you remember 20 years ago, the churches were saying, the millennium is a good time, it's a new, new time for evangelism, and we're going march to march out in Jesus' name. And here we are 20 years later, we reflect back and we say, what actually did happen? Uh, and every year will be the same, won't it? We will have good intentions uh, to walk in those good ways, uh, and probably in a year's time, we'll be looking back and saying, well, we didn't always walk in the ways you said, Lord. But but then it says, the Lord has compassion on you and is gracious to you. Let's just have a look at some of the other verses in um, in, in Isaiah that surround this word. It starts off uh, where he condemns the, the, uh, the false prophets and he says... Um, Give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path, and stop confronting us with the holy one of Israel. That's what the people were saying to the prophet Isaiah. Uh, you know, stop telling us about this God of Israel. Tell us nice things. And we were thinking at Christmas about the difference between true news and fake news. You know, fake news is great. If it it seems to be benefit to you, uh, but if it isn't true, then it's not really much good at all, is it? Uh, The truth is what the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Jeremiah are bringing to the people. Um, And uh, then it says, after this, you would have none of it. He said, no, we will flee on horses. We will ride off on swift horses. We will not be quiet and repent and find our strength in those things. We will get on with things. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. So there's the, there, there is the, 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 the command. And as I was thinking about this, uh, what came to mind was a sign. I think Steve's going to put a sign up. On, there we go. Do you remember those? I remember when uh, when Karen was living at her mum and dad's house uh, back in, in Cumbria, there was the main Newcastle to Carlisle railway ran right uh, right past the back of their house, and there was a footpath that crossed it. And whenever we went, uh, they weren't the really high speed trains, but nevertheless, there's a sign that says "Stop, look, listen." Before you start going across the railway track, you need to make jolly sure that there's no express train belting down uh, on you. And um, I notice there's a footpath that crosses the main railway down at at Oath. And that is a fast railway line. Uh, You would be very foolish if you just wandered across that footpath, would you not? Uh, Without, first of all, stopping, looking and listening. So I think that's what God wants to say to us today through these readings. First of all, stop. Has it been a busy Christmas for you? Busy time. We've had quite a lot of company, which has been absolutely lovely, Uh, and we were kind of really looking forward to just having a little bit of quiet. When all the it's lovely having company, but it is also nice when they go, isn't it? You know. Um, And um, so we were we were looking forward uh, to having a quiet evening, and we just sat down last Sunday and. And about half past eight, we get a phone call from a friend we haven't seen for over a year. Oh, I'm just at Junction 26 on the motorway. Can I pop in? Um, so, ten o'clock. Do you want to stay overnight? Oh, yes, please. That would be good. <laughs> you know? Um, it would be nice to stop. Uh, here at the at the end of uh, one year, um, we have an opportunity to stop. And I think that's a good thing about the New Year celebration. Stop and just reflect back. Uh, and look forward, time to stop and to think. You see, the prophet Jeremiah says, stand at the crossroads. Sometimes we're told just to stand. We'd love to get on with things. I'm a kind of impetuous person. If I I know there's a job that needs to be done, I want to get on and do it. Um, uh, but, But actually, sometimes God says, just stand, stop. Stand. Um, But the people say, no, we won't stand. We will ride off on swift horses. But Isaiah says, blessed are those who wait on him. And we're at that period uh, of change in the church where the temptation, I suppose, is to sort of get on a horse and get on and get things done. But actually, God is saying, wait, stand. Stand at the crossroads and wait for him. Now, I think we can interpret that different ways. Uh, for some people, wait is like prevaricating. Or, uh, you know, it's just sort of, what's the other word? Um, well, at any rate, you know what I mean? Hanging around, procrastinating. God does not say procrastinate, but he does say wait. And wait is an active thing. Uh, if you're waiting on God, you are actively waiting. You're not just having a, having a snooze. Uh, we're actively waiting on God to see what he might say. And here is the promise. Blessed are those who wait for him. Um, you'll be uh, encouraged to know, perhaps, that the, uh, the, here's the good news and the bad news. The uh, church which I formerly pastored in, in Bristol uh, have called a new pastor, and he begins this month. Right, the bad news, that was nearly three years before they found... Uh, now, you know, uh, God has his timing, doesn't he? And it's, it's important that we follow God's timing. Uh, and We don't sort of hang around and do nothing, but it's also important that we take time to stop. And next Saturday is, of course, a very, very good opportunity to simply come together, stop to stand uh, at the beginning of a new year and a new a new chapter, and then what does he say? Stand at the crossroads and look. Look. So you see, this is this sign was designed by the prophet Jeremiah. There we go. Stop at the crossroads. Look. Uh, we've been. I've been going through the, the village with uh, Miriam on uh, on a scooter this morning, uh, and I say, stop. Look. Have you looked? Yes. No. You haven't looked. Look. Is there any car coming? No. You know, uh, it, it, we, we must stop. We must look. We must open our eyes to see what is happening around us. And that could be looking at the world around us. That's, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, are you are you kind of news oversaturated? Um, and there's some pretty grim things on the news, aren't there? I mean, look what's happening in Australia. I mean, it's just absolutely appalling. All those thousands of people on the beaches trying to escape the fires and... Uh, and yet yesterday, a holiday brochure came through my door from Trail Finders. Go, go to the beautiful beaches of Australia, and there is an area which is big. It, it, it would stretch all the way from Wales to London, is the size of the area that's burning. It, it, can we imagine that? The whole of that area burning? Um, uh, yet there is no problem, there's no climate change, there's no issue. We can carry on just as we are. Um, I think the Australians perhaps will have a different view on that shortly. We can look at the world around us in the the news, we can look what's happening on our doorstep. And uh, I know some of us are involved in the food banks and we we know that behind doors, very often, there is real need in our communities. Um, There is loneliness, there is lack of food in some cases, etc. And and, and no doubt... uh, Sharon sees lots of need as as a head teacher of a school. Uh, Children come and they all look happy in their uniforms, but actually behind each child is a story and a situation. Just look at uh, at the world around us, but also stand and look at ourselves. Now, I'm not talking about introverted navel-gazing, but there is a time for us to stop and actually look inside, to reflect on what's going on inside us. Because that's a secret area which we hold the key to. But sometimes just to stop and let God put the light of his searchlight of the Holy Spirit into our lives. What's happening in our lives? Where are we? Uh, How do we stand before God? But also as a fellowship to look at the church. Uh, Look around. We're, we're, We're people that God has called together to be here. We're a motley crew, aren't we? You know, if any, you're all looking at me. You, you, you know how weird some people are in this church. Um, but, you know, these, this is God's people. People that God has called together to be the church here in this place. And we need to look at that in church and say, what gifts have we got? Where is God speaking to us? Who, who is bringing his word? Uh, and, and what are we going to do as a response to his word? But most of all, I think... Uh, and this is where the introspective navel-gazing can go too far. We must stop and look at Jesus. If we spend too long looking at the world, we'll get depressed. If we, if we still spend too long looking inside us, we will just uh, um, become introverted and, and we won't be any good. But if we look at Jesus and look at the world through Jesus' eyes and look at ourselves through Jesus' eyes, we get the better perspective on what is going on. So we're called to stop. We're called to look. We're called to ask. Ask where the good paths are. Ask where the ancient paths... Now, I know there are a few people, not in this church particularly, but in some churches, who say, well, this is the way it should be. We've always done it this way. You know, we must follow that prayer book or we must... Uh, do this or what have you. I mean, we've all met them, haven't we? I don't think that is what the prophet Jeremiah is saying. We must go back to the old traditions. Uh, I don't think that is what he means. I think he is looking to look at um, the ancient paths, which were the good paths that people discovered many years ago. So uh, the whole uh, idea of spending time in quiet meditation, is something that people discovered a long time ago, Um, particularly groups such as the Desert Fathers, who left uh, Constantinople, or or left Egypt in in the time when uh, Christianity was becoming kind of, well, incorporated into general life. And they said, we want to get away from here, we want to get into the desert and spend time listening to God. And there's a lot of wisdom that was discovered in the desert. Thomas Merton has written a fantastic book called The Wisdom of the Desert. And it is simply a collection of sayings of uh, the the, the fathers and people who went out into the desert to seek him. So seeking God in prayer um, is one of the good ways, one of the ancient paths. Isaiah has it labelled repentance And rest. We don't like the word repentance, don't we? Because it kind of means we've got to change. Which is exactly what that word means. Repentance, metanoia, means to turn around to face in a different direction. Now that doesn't necessarily mean turning away from something. It means more turning to God. Look to him. Um, There may be things we need to turn away from in order to turn to him. But repentance means change in direction. And clearly at a time of change in a church, that will be something that happens. There will be some changes in direction and people don't always like change. But God calls us to repent, uh, to turn to him, actively to turn to him. Repentance and rest. Uh, Rest is, uh, is a nice thing. But it's not that kind of having a snooze rest we talk about. Rest is to actually know that you're held. To rest in God's love means simply to be in his presence, knowing that he has you in his hands. That you don't have to work for everything. You don't have to achieve everything yourself. Actually, we can rest in the knowledge that God has done everything for us in Christ. You know, some people think they've got to earn everything. But actually, God has done everything in Christ. And to rest in that sure knowledge is what we're called to do. That's an ancient path. It's called faith and trust. Other ancient paths, of course, the scriptures, God's word. As we stop and we stand uh, in the crossroads, we can look uh, at the word of God. Um, Prayer is, of course, um, an ancient path, which is a valuable path. And it doesn't necessarily mean one particular form of prayer. It can mean anything. Waiting on God, listening to God is the most important kind of prayer. Not necessarily filling the space with what we want to say to God, but listening to what he wants to say to us. Seeking God. Seeking God is what we are about. Seeking to know God for himself, not just for what we can get out of him. And so, um, stop, look, ask and then the last one, listen. What is God saying to us? I mean, I think there's a danger here. I think that for the church, there could be the danger that our preoccupation in the next year is to see what God is saying about what new pastor we're going to find. That could be the main object of our thoughts. I think that's, I think that's foolish. I think... What God wants us to do is to seek his will for what this church is going to be doing. And you are this church. Every one of you here, whether you are uh, a, a committed member or not, we are the church. And each one of us has gifts that we wish that we can bring and use in the service of God. And so I think that it, you, we must keep sight of the fact that this is the church, and the church uh, we'll call, hopefully, a leader, a pastor, to do, or a missioner, as El have done, uh, to do the work of the church, part of it. But we, we mustn't get preoccupied with that. When we found a pastor, we will be okay. Everything will be all right. Because, you see, you might be looking for this pastor. After hundreds of years, the perfect pastor has been found. He preaches exactly 20 minutes and sits down. He condemns sin but never steps on anyone's toes. He works from 8 in the morning until eight, 10 at night doing everything from preaching sermons to sweeping. He gives £100 a week to the church, drives that latest car, buys lots of books, wears fine clothes and has a nice family. He always stands ready to contribute to every other good cause too, to help the needy who drop by the church on their way to somewhere. He's 36 years old and he's been preaching for 40 years. <laughs> He's tall on the short side, heavy set in a thin sort of way and handsome. He has eyes of blue or brown to fit the occasion and wears his hair parted in the middle, left side dark and straight, and the right side brown and wavy. He has a burning desire to work with the youth and spends all of his time with senior citizens. He smiles all the time while keeping a straight face because he has a keen sense of humour that finds him seriously dedicated. He makes 15 calls a day on church members, spends all his time evangelising non-members, and is always found in his study if he's needed. Uh, Unfortunately, he burnt himself out and died at the age of 32. Um, You know, the the, the unrealistic expectations that somewhere, somewhere, is the person who is going to do absolutely everything and transform everything... As they come that that is just just put that out of our minds, shall we um, God has put you here for a purpose he's put all of us here for a purpose, and what we need to do now is to uh, stop look, ask and listen to what he, he might be saying to us, uh, and I'm just in danger of running out my twenty minutes um, <laughs> Last Sunday, one thing that was shared, uh, Dilla brought um, a a hymn, a little town of Bethlehem, and, and Dilla shared something very significant, I think. She said that don't despise small things. You know, there are lots of big churches which are very successful and have got programs and have got all sorts of things going on. Great, they're fantastic, but there are lots of good small churches too, and I think this is one of them. And I think um, that's not to say that it won't grow. I hope it will. But don't despise small things. I think we need to be who we are and seek God for what he is saying to us. So let's stop, look and listen.